How many of you have a high tolerance to poison oak? Any of you? Any of you have a high tolerance to poison oak? Like you can't get it. Like you could bathe in it and you'll, you'd never get it. Okay, I thought I was that person. All right, when I was in high school, I slid down a cliff to the beach with all my friends on a youth activity and they all got a horrendous case of poison oak. And I went through all the bushes and I didn't get anything. So I was under the pretense that, and maybe at that time I was, because you know, when you get older, your body changes a little bit. I found out in my mid-20s that I was no longer resistant in any way, shape, or form to poison oak. I've had poison oak probably 11 times in my life. Uh, I got poison oak so bad in college, I think I lost half my skin. Um, I'm just setting you up for leprosy, folks, okay? I'm trying to find a relative illustration. And uh, uh, I remember one particular time how bad it actually had gotten. Now, I'm going to be very careful how I tell this story so people come back next week. Uh, But I was leading a group of of students, high school students, over to Israel on a missions trip. And uh, we went through Egypt first. I didn't see Hanny. I wish I had. I didn't know him yet. But I did ride a camel from... The pyramids down to the Sphinx. And the camel's name was Michael Jackson. I don't know why, but it was, the name was Michael Jackson, that camel. So that was my time in, in Egypt. But what had happened is I had a youth activity just the week before. We went cliff diving at this place up above Santa Barbara called Red Rocks. I've been to Red Rocks probably 20, 30 times. Never gotten poison oak in my life. And so the night before, we come back, and, and probably three, three days later, the night before I'm about to leave, I'm doing some emails in the bedroom. It's late at night. And I realized I've been itching the top of my right foot incessantly now for about an hour, hour and a half. And I look down and there's three little spots. And I leave on a plane for overseas in about six hours. And I just looked at it. And it's like everything in my mind just locked down. And I started to say, Lord, if you are the God of healing, Oh, please, let that just be some weird rash from a armadillo or something. You know, whatever. Just something is rare. Don't let it be. And so we get going, and sure enough, it was poison oak. And so I, I tried not to say anything. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not going to do anything. I'm, I'm not going to focus on it. And that lasted for about three days. And, uh, and one of the things that happens is that, it, you know, it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. And when it's on your feet, you're walking a lot when you're doing a missions trip. And so we walked through Egypt, the entire state of Egypt, okay? State, country, whatever. We walked a lot. And you're getting on and off planes. And then we did our week of missions uh, in the West Bank. And I was trying to hold it together. And for the most part, I was doing pretty good. But now, it had gone underneath my feet and was on the bottom. And it, was, it wasn't like, you know, real bad. Okay, see, this, I'm being careful, right? wasn't real, real bad, but it was like bumps underneath on the feet. And I'm having to walk. And so I'm trying to keep it together. I'm trying to mentally keep it together. And we're just walking. Now we're on the tour part. And we're walking, we're walking. And now it's not so nice. Now we're in day seven, and it's not nice at all. And, um, and so uh, we're heading to Hezekiah's Tunnel. Now, this is an ancient, ancient tunnel, and it's filled with water. As a matter of fact, in the wintertime, when it's the wet season, you, you can't go in it because the water actually will go over your head. But these, these giant 
granite walls that, that go almost as high as our top beam at some par parts. And it dates all the way back to, you know, the time of Hezekiah and even pre-existing Hezekiah. And so you're wading through water. You're wading through ancient water in complete pitch black. And there's just moss everywhere. There's probably snakes going around. Who knows? There's all this stuff. And so I've got sandals, open sandals. And I've got other things that are open um, down around my feet. And, and so people are like, are you really going to go wading through this water with your feet like that? I'm like, I'm not missing Hezekiah's tunnel. Plus, I have a plan. Now, let's just talk for a second that you're not as wise as you think you are when you're younger. So here's the plan. We wade through, and it was great, and it was a great time. We're now heading down to the Dead Sea. Does anybody know what's in the Dead Sea? Exactly. Now, here's the theory, folks. Let's go in and submit the feet to incredible amounts of bacteria, but we're just going to cauterize it in the Dead Sea. That's the thought. Now, just so you get a picture here, we had, uh, you know, we had students that were both male and female on the trip, and, and some of the girls had shaved their legs that morning. And when they tried to go in to the Dead Sea, they screamed and just ran. Thought, well, there's no way I'm not going in. And I went in and I just soaked my feet so that they would be cauterized. Let me just tell you, six hours later, when we had to get up at four in the morning to go to Masada, it had now become systemic through my whole body. My body had said, enough is enough. I'm done. And so I'm in bad shape. But I don't want to admit it to anybody. I didn't even know what my name was. And it was all I could do to get my bags. And I actually had somebody take my bags down. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm busy. You know, could you just grab this, you know, to one of my roommates and, and take it? They did. I missed the door on the bus. I'm trying to get on the bus. And I face planted right into the side of the bus. Uh, I was completely hallucinating. I got in and I sat down into a seat just thinking, if I just get in the seat, I'll be okay. And uh, that's the last thing I remember. And yet people said I was talking about this and that. I was, I was talking about my son and, and I was burning up. I remember them just pouring water all over my head. And I was in bad shape. So what do you do? They slam you into the back of a Palestinian ambulance and just send you off into the desert unbelievable i'm in a clinic in the middle of nowhere um i can't i think it's a rad and and i'm up there and there's a a wonderful modern medicine that i will forever be grateful to called prednisone has anybody experienced prednisone that is from god can i just say because they gave me two you know take two of these and call me in the morning right i even understand that in arabic all right they handed it to me, I took two, and I was baptizing kids back in gooky water of the Jordan, right? About four hours later, and I was healed. I was fine. No more problems. I couldn't believe it. Prednisone is my friend. I just, I wish I had gone back and thanked those doctors if I could find that place. It was like on a survival tour to try to find the clinic I was at, but I didn't have the opportunity, but I thanked the tour company for taking care of me. It was sketchy. It was bad and it was gross and people didn't want to be around me and, and I got in bad shape. But you know what? I got healed. And I got healed quick. Very quickly. So this morning as we're looking at this topic of Thanksgiving, that's our topic. The healing of Thanksgiving. And we're going to be in the 
Luke 17. Turn there, if you will. Now, this is not a common passage to talk about Thanksgiving. I've never heard it referenced when it comes to being thankful. And and why the Lord guided me here is, is beyond me. Maybe to remind me of my little stint in the Negev desert. And uh, how thankful I was for the healing that I experienced that day through modern medicine. But we're going to look at somebody who had a skin condition much worse than I did. We're actually going to look at ten people that had a skin condition much worse than I did. And, and what's fascinating about this passage is one of the reasons I'm, I'm wondering if it's never been spoken of in context to Thanksgiving is you look at it more in the concept of healing. But what's fascinating about it is you could actually look at this passage as an example of obedience to God. And yet that's not why Luke recorded it. There's one purpose that this is recorded in Scripture. It is an incredible miracle that Jesus commits. And yet it's not spoken of about their faith, which is one of the pronounced learning opportunities in this passage. How great the faith was of the ten. And we'll see that in a minute. It's not a message about that. That's not why it was recorded. It's not a message of their obedience to act in faith. That's not why it was recorded. It was recorded for one purpose, according to how you look at the text. And that was the issue of giving thanks. Of giving thanks. Let's read it real quickly. I'm going to be in verse 11 through 19, and it says this. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Again, that being the concluding statement, you would think that this is a story about, about obedience and faith. But in essence, it is a story about God's desire for us to acknowledge and praise His works, in essence, giving thanks. And upon a deeper look and examination of what we're seeing here, there is a healing that goes beyond the physical healing. There is something that's going on with us today that maybe we need a physical healing. I'm going to break this down real briefly for you. Number one, we can be healed through physical means. Some of us may need physical healing today. It was definitely resonant with these ten individuals. Now, leprosy is a skin, it's actually a neurological disease that affects the skin because you can't feel your skin. You can't feel your appendages. And so you get diseases, you get uh, infection, and, and it is highly contagious. You can look in Leviticus 13 and 14. There were specific instructions according to the law. If somebody contracted leprosy, which is interesting because there's a lot of diseases, but we don't hear about specifics in how to handle a lot of those diseases. 
we hear a lot about leprosy. This was a killer. This was something that ostracized you from being productive. It took you away from your family. It took you away from society. It isolated you. It cast you out. There was so much more that happened as a result to the degradation of the body that it degraded the soul. Someone who would have leprosy would suffer much more than just in a physical manner. So maybe today we have a physical issue that we've been asking healing for from the Lord. But maybe that physical issue has financial challenges. We're saying, Lord, I don't have the financial capabilities to take care of this. And so we're feeling financial pressure. Maybe it has emotional attachment. Maybe the issues that we're dealing with today we need healing from are emotional challenges or emotional distresses that we are standing at the opening to the village and we are begging Jesus, heal me. Heal me. And we're going to see and we're going to examine how this fit within this story this morning. My question to you is, are you outside the gate? That's where we start in the story, right? These ten guys, Jesus is, is moving from the Galilee region up to Jerusalem. And He has to pass on the outskirts of Samaria. And as He's traveling, it, it would be multiple days for this journey. And so He would, he would overnight in different villages. Maybe a Best Western, who knows? Probably a Holiday Inn Express. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have gone there. You're not going to get that one, and we'll, we'll just keep going. So, Jesus comes into the town, and outside the town is a group of, what? Lepers. And do they ignore Jesus? No. Not only do they not ignore Jesus, they say, Master. They knew who he was by reputation. And word probably would have been coming that he's coming down through the highway. He's traveling. And they may have been hoping maybe he'll pass by here. And you see, as a leper, they were restricted as to where they could go. So they couldn't just go seeking after Jesus in the crowds. So they're crying out, Jesus, Master, my question to you this morning is, are you standing at the gate of the city? Is there something that you need healing from? And have you put yourself in position to cry out to Christ and say, Jesus, Master, what? Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Are you crying out for help? Well, through Christ, healing is granted, right? And I give you an excerpt from the verses. It says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. This is a mind-blowing concept. We don't see this kind of faith except with the centurion. Let's examine it a little bit. Healing through Jesus isn't always the same. It's an interesting progression that we need to look at here. We know that the ministry of healing was very active during the time of the apostles. Now there's a, uh, a discrepancy amongst scholars, evangelical leaders, uh, church people as to whether that is a current ministry or gift or whether it's not. This is what we do know, that Christ heals. We know that. Christ can heal. Now what we don't know is how is Christ going to heal? The pattern that we see in this is 
that Jesus, when he would heal, it was to give glory to God. And, and we'll talk about this in a minute, all the different variegations of, of why healing would happen. But one of the unique and fascinating things is that healing rarely happened the same way twice. And this is where we struggle. We hear about somebody going to a healing service and, and they got healed. And so we want to go to a healing service and get healed. Or that they read this book and emotionally this book helped them heal. And so we read that book and we're looking for emotional healing. You know, the, an individual went to a Larry Burkett financial seminar and they were healed from debt. And, and I went and I got more debt. The fascinating thing about healing through Jesus Christ, through God, is that it's unique to each individual. There's no boilerplate pattern. But there are some similarities, and let's look at it. Now, Luke records this, that as they went, they were healed. This is kind of fascinating. We're going to look at this in, in, in a comparison of a healing of another leper. So they cry out to Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go, go where? Well, one of the standards, as you would read in Leviticus 13 or 14, was if an individual was healed from leprosy, they would have to go to the priest. And the priest then would declare them healed or unhealed. And so if they actually had leprosy, they would have to yell as, a, as an individual would come up to them. They would have to yell, unclean, unclean. So you didn't get anywhere close to them. So the priest had to actually give the okay for them to be seen as clean again. Now think about the ramifications of that. You now get to integrate back into society. You now get to be back with your family. You now get to work. You now get to touch people. I worked at a drop-in center down in the streets of Hollywood. Uh, worked with a, a good friend of mine down there that started that ministry. For probably three years I worked with him. And then I officially worked at the center for about eight months. And uh, the things that I experienced during that time were life-changing. There was an individual that came in that smelled so bad that it cleared the room. They were dying of HIV. Late teens, dying of HIV. And my good friend Steve, who started the outreach, walked up to this individual and hugged him. And this person just broke down and cried and cried and cried. And he said this, I've had nobody touch me for eight months. I'm unclean. He didn't say I'm unclean, but you get it, right? Jesus in this situation doesn't even touch him. He says, just go. And this is a test. Because I've heard as one of those ten lepers, what he did with a, pre, a previous case of this. Where he did touch the individual. And we'll get to that in just a bit. But Jesus is challenging them. Have mercy on you. You're asking me to heal you. Okay, just go. Just go to the priest. And he'll declare you unclean. I mean clean. Do you catch the problem there? I'm looking at myself, nothing has happened. 
but he's telling me to go to the quote-unquote Center for Disease Control and declare me fixed, healed. All ten went. And in route, they were healed. All ten went. And in route, they were healed. They were healed as they went. Now that's a little bit different, isn't it? Because we'll see in Luke 5 that Jesus reached out and touched the leper and healed him. They would have heard that. That's probably a good reason why they were at the gate waiting for Jesus and saying and proclaiming, Master, have mercy on us. And yet, this is different this time. If you had been one of those ten, would you have not said, well, wait a minute, how come He didn't touch us? Is this really going to work? And yet they believed enough in Him that Well, maybe something's going to happen, but we're going to obey. The obedience of these ten was phenomenal. Do you get that? It was phenomenal. But for some of us, we may be struggling with this challenge of saying, I've been praying for healing, whether it's emotional, financial, physical, whatever it would be, for a long time. And I've seen success for this person, and I've seen success for that person. And how come I can't have it that way? Because Jesus is unique in every process. And we'll, we'll continue to see it as we read through. He stretched out His hand and touched Him is the quote from Luke 5. Jesus is wandering through the crowds and the leper calls out to Him just like these. And Jesus bent down and He touched Him and He healed Him. It's unique what Jesus does. He does it for different purposes. Maybe... He does it to answer prayer. How many of us have had answers to prayer because we were faithful to lift those prayers up? We asked without condition. But Jesus, at some point, answered that prayer. And then the next time is we have another prayer that may be even similar, we're requesting to Him, and it just doesn't come as fast, or it comes in a different way, right? It's according to His purpose. It's according to His purpose for the healing. Sometimes it's to glorify the Father. Remember the individual that Jesus heals in John, John 12. We were talking about this. He was blind and, and the, uh, the crowds, the Pharisees say, hey, so why is He blind? Was it because His parents sinned? Was it because He sinned? And, and, and Jesus simply says, why has it always got to be about that? Maybe it's for this moment, for this miracle, so it's obvious that God is at work. For the greater good. For the greater good. Next, sometimes it's to demonstrate His power or His love or His purpose. So as we're looking for healing, and we want to have this thanksgiving that's going to be modeled here by the one out of the ten, come in line with His purpose. We're learning... A lot about that in the experience in God's study in our life groups. Come in line with His purpose. Interestingly enough, I'm not so foolish that I wouldn't know that many of you are sitting out there saying, I've been praying for a long time and I've never been healed. That may not be what God has for you. And let me share as compassionately as I can I will carry the things God has laid for me to carry so that I can give Him glory. 
And He will give me the strength to do that. And there are others that the same applies. It applies for all of us, by the way. Right? It applies for all of us. I'll give you three examples of those that were never healed, but gave praise and continual thanks to God, even though they were never healed from the one thing you would think that they always want to be healed by. Helen Keller. Just go read her attitude towards Christ. And you'll see a thankful and rejoicing heart of someone who was never healed of horrible circumstances physically. And at one point, emotionally in her heart, was in line with the tragedy of the physical burden she carried. But after coming to know Christ, the heart was transformed and her physical burdens paled in comparison. Because the inside was healed. The inside was healed. And how many people have been encouraged and led to the Lord and healed through that testimony? Same thing for Fanny Crosby. How many of you know who Fanny Crosby is? Raise your hand if you know. Yes, younger generation, you kind of need to look this one up. Fanny Crosby struggled with her what? Blindness. She couldn't see. Yet, and I don't know the statistics on this, my friends, but a majority of the hymns that we sing, she wrote. And when you look at some of the hymns and the verses and the words and the joy and the thankfulness that's coming out of that, my understanding is that she said later in life, that if she could have been healed from her eyes and given her eyesight, she said, I wouldn't have it. Because of this malady and of this physical burden, I reached out to the Lord and He healed that which really, truly need healing. And He was able to work in spite of the physical problems that I had. The Apostle Paul had some kind of an infirmity that he asked the Lord to take away. But the Lord never answered that. And yet the Lord healed the emotional part, and gave him strength. And Paul gave thanks in the midst of that. So we acknowledge that not always is that which we're going to ask for going to be his what? His purpose. But the great thing about that is is that he doesn't leave us to lament over that and, and gripe and complain and be angry over it. He will give us the strength to rejoice and to give thanks for the very burden that we have to carry and we're saddled with. Now that goes beyond any power that I have. It goes far beyond any power that I have. So when it comes to healing through Christ, it is granted, but it's granted in unique ways and it's it's granted according to His purpose. Let's move on this morning. Thankful for what you have. By the way, there's a statement that uh, was in a video I was going to show Thursday night. We're we're not going to show it this morning. We don't have the time. But it says towards the end of this video, thankful for what you have. And then it fades into another statement and it says, thankful for what you don't have. And I really wanted to integrate that in this morning so that you would remember that as kind of a hook to this sermon today. So, thankful for what you have. The text says this. This was the response, but the response by one. Verse 15, it says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed... By the way, where where would they be at this point? Standing in front of Jesus? They'd be somewhere in between where they got this initial contact with Christ and going in faith to be declared clean. And so Christ followed through with what He said He was going to do. You can bank 
on Christ doing what he says he's going to do. It may be unique. It may be according to his purposes and not ours. But he is faithful to do what he says he will do. And so what happens? Well, it says this. Then how many? One. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, did what? Turned back. Turned back. Praising God. By the way, that idea of praising God is intermingled with thanksgiving. With giving thanks. Praising God with a what voice? A soft, passive voice? A whisper? A private prayer. Hallelujah. Any of you benefit from that? Now there's an appropriateness to having a personal prayer time with the Lord. But folks, we had four individuals, actually more than four individuals, we had couples, we had four testimonies Thursday night that stood up in front of 200 people, which is not an easy thing to do. Imelda has been up on this stage with, with Sunette and shared with you how she gave praise to God because of being healed. Because of being healed. Loud. 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 And the easiest way for me to remember this is that when my sports team, my voice cracked because mine aren't very good. I get emotional when I talk about it. When my sports teams do something good, I praise Jesus. No, I don't. I just praise that. <laughs> There's something that emotes from me. I finally got wise and picked a good team. I'm not a bandwagoner, but I'm from the Bay Area, so now I'm, I'm a Dubs fan, big time. And my family's trying to go to sleep the other night, and I was trying to restrain myself. And my son told me the next day, man, I didn't fall asleep for a long time. Because he's downstairs. And even my wife, who's up above, she, she could hear me. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know? Have you been that way about what Jesus has done in healing your life? Oh, well, well that doesn't fit in the script here at Concord Bible Church. We're very subdued. We're mature believers. We don't do one of these. If I do, someone's going to think I've got a question. Amen. Amen. A few weeks ago, I was saying amen after a song. And what came out from right behind me when the silence hit? It was Jack or Grayson. It was Jack. And I love it. I don't remember anything. And that was like a month ago. I remember that. I remember last week. I, I you know, I didn't hear any. Uh, you know, the worship was great. Uh, we really enjoyed the offering. Uh, you know, uh, your preaching was stellar, Pastor. No, what I heard was when Maddie stood up and shared Scripture from her heart, that was the most powerful thing with a loud voice. Healing. Healing makes you proclaim in an effort of praising and thankfulness and only one out of Ten. Got it. Do you know why this is in the Scriptures now? We're not paying attention, my friends. We're not paying attention. 
Let's keep moving on. One returned. Only one. What did he do? He fell on his face. I'm telling you, we're going to have a service coming up where we're going to remove the chairs. We'll have some on the back row for some people that, you know, they have to sit. But we, need, we, we do you a disservice or we're going to give you enough room to spread out, to kneel, fall on your face, jump up and whatever. Because we've created this. Come, sit down, be entertained for a half hour and then go home and move on to lunch and football. And that's our system. We need to get back to the authenticity of responding to Christ because He has healed us. Can I have an amen on that? He fell on His face. He praised God. He was focused on the provider and not the provision. Now, ten were healed, right? Let's go results-based. All right? Results-based, ten were healed, so they were righteous in what they did. Jesus is not discounting that in this passage. So they were rewarded for being faithful. They were rewarded for acting in faith. They were rewarding for obeying. But there was something missing by the nine. You see, they were focused on the provision. And I get it. I get it. There have been times where I've been given something and I thought about it afterwards. Why? I was thinking about it with my opening illustration. Why did I not send a card or a thank you to the, the tour company that took care of me? It didn't cross my mind. Was I thankful that I was healed? Absolutely. Have I told that story multiple times? Absolutely. But in the moment, I was focused on the provision, not the provider. I blew it. I've gone in and visited you all when you've had babies. And, and not all of you have had babies, okay? But some of you, when you've had babies, I go to the hospital. And I'm in that, that neonatal area. And you'll see the thank you cards up on the board for the nurses. And we said thank you in the time. But we didn't send a picture of our kid a year older or at age 22. That was a little weird. But anyway. But I'm looking at that and that struck me that, wow, I didn't think to say thank you to these people that helped my wife incredibly and helped my children incredibly. Was I thankful? Yeah, I was, th- I, I was focused on the provision, not the provider. That's where I need to get better. I need to be like the one. I need to come back to Christ. I need to fall on my face. And I need to say thank you. Thank you. And give praise to Him. The others were focused on a return to public life. You see, what was going on is that they had been ostracized and pulled out from all of life. And I don't know what would hurt more, the actual disease or having everything from my life stripped away from me and watching it happen at a distance. You see, their families would have come to a distance and would have left food for them at a distance. And they would have yelled from a distance. Can you imagine inserting yourself in that situation? If I know I'm about to be healed, it spans that gap, it eliminates it, and I am now going to get my life back. It's not just about being physically healed from this disease. I'm getting my life back. I can't wait for that priest to declare me clean. I get it. I know what they were thinking about. But one recognized where it came from. 
and took the time to say thank you. Now, interestingly enough, the one that did it was a Samaritan. And Luke takes the time to acknowledge that. Because Jesus came for His people, which were the Jews. Nine others were the Jews. What's significant about this? Why would He have paused? Why would He have said this? Is Luke a racist? No, He's not. He's talking about the differences and what should have happened versus what did happen. And I'm going to take a moment to respond to that in saying this. Many of us in this church sitting here this morning see ourselves as mature believers. We've done this for a while. We think we've got it pretty well wrapped up. Would we fit in the nine? Which would have been the Jews who thought they had it pretty well wrapped up. Or we would be with the one outcast that was seen as one who couldn't participate with the God of Israel. And yet they had the right heart. It's worth examining, isn't it? It's worth examining. I should know better. I should know better. Next, thankful for what you don't have. Remember? Now that's an interesting aspect. He says in his last... Actually, Luke records as part of the last segment of this story. Jesus says, rise and go. Rise and go. Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Now there's nothing different at the end of that than is different for the other nine. Their faith made them well. Jesus followed through with that, correct? You see that, right? They were rewarded for their faith. But this is recorded because it meant something to Christ. For an individual to recognize his hand at work meant something to Christ. To the point where he focused on what he didn't have, he didn't have from those who should have appropriately responded, the praise and glory to the Father that was due. Jesus was disappointed that the other nine didn't return, yet they were still healed. Jesus granted freedom to the leper. This morning we're going to give you four points coming up. He gave him freedom to go wherever he would like. What other kind of freedom? Freedom to be with his family again. Freedom to be productive. Freedom from the chains of physical and emotional diseases. And then finishing up this morning, healing through thanksgiving again. Here are four things for us to examine and to look at for our own life. Practical things to do this week. Number one, examine your hurts or problems. Start there. These ten knew what their problems were. That was clear. They didn't have to examine very far. They they lived with it. But research for yourself. Where are your hurts? Where are those Areas that need healing. Number two, begin to write out ways to be thankful in each of those situations. Remember Helen Keller. Remember Fanny Crosby. Remember uh, the Apostle Paul. That in spite of the lack of relief, they found a way to give praise and to give thanks. It's amazing how being thankful can heal relationships. We get together with family this time of year. And maybe for some of us, that's a difficult thing. And there's a, there's a gap with some people in the family. Do you know one of the most way, uh, one of the clearly defined ways to heal that gap is to just start finding ways to be thankful for that person? Sit down and start writing out a list of ways that you are thankful for who they are and what they are to you. And guess what? When you're focusing on that, just like Philippians 4.8 talks about, you can't focus, you can't dwell on their failures. 
their issues, their problems that are causing separation. Practice the healthy healing of thankfulness when it comes to those areas. Remember Thanksgiving for what we have and what we don't have. What do I have? I have a beautiful, loving body of Christ here that I miss whenever I'm not here. What don't I have? A complaining church. Praise God. I don't have to be a pastor of a dead church where God's not involved. Praise God. I don't have any of my children who deny the faith. Praise God. I don't have a wife that makes me brush my teeth every single day. That's a, that's a miracle, folks. I'm just kidding. She does. Go back and say thank you to those that made a difference and healed you. Lastly, think about those individuals that have come alongside you and were pronounced. They were very important. And I know each of us have somebody like that, right? First, you start with Christ. Now, here's a parenthetical thought. The difference between the nine and the one This is what I believe. They were thankful and they acknowledged that Jesus could do what He could do. And many of us look at Jesus that way. And and, and here's my example. I recently saw on, on my Facebook page somebody who denies the faith, doesn't believe in Jesus Christ whatsoever. And they had an individual, actually their wife, was going into surgery and they asked for prayer from all their friends. And I thought, well, that's fascinating. And so then somebody else within the family that I know does not have any religious affiliation and continually says and stipulates, I don't believe in any of that. And they respond back, I will be praying. And I thought, this is hilarious. Well, who are you praying to and who do you expect it? But when it comes to naming Jesus as Lord, they say, stop. You can heal me, but I'm not calling you Lord. And I'm not going to give praise to you for being God. We have a society, and I dare say we have churches that want Jesus to heal them, but when the healing is done, they say, I'm on my way. Be the one. It's like a Pepsi slogan. Be the one. All right? Forget the other slogan that I had out there. Thankful for what you have, what you don't have. Remember, be the one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That that ministered to me. Stop asking unless you're going to name Him Lord. And if you have asked Him and He has healed, you better go find your Lord and Savior. Go find Him. Because you're missing out on something. You know, it says without faith it is impossible to please God. We went over that in life group this week. The fascinating thing about that, the mind blower in my mind is simply this. Man, I can please God. I can please God. And we see from this story that Jesus was pleased by the one. And I dare say because of that act of praise and that thankfulness, there was more healing that happened to the one than the other nine. Healing through thanksgiving. Let me pray for the offering this morning. And again, God bless you in your week of thanksgiving. 
I expect, I expect to hear stories of praise about how you implement these four things. I expect, I have an expectant heart to have emails, to have texts. Yes, it's true, miracles happen, your pastor texts now. I know it. I know it. I expect to hear these things this week. Don't just receive and go on your way so you can live your life freely. Give praise. Give praise. It's healing. Let me pray. To you, Father, we give praise. We give praise because you reach far beyond our capacity to reason, to accomplish, to minister, to provide. And Lord God, in in our response, let it not be soft. Let it not be hidden. Let it not be diminutive. But let us rejoice with a thunderous voice because of what You do and what You are doing and for Your purposes. I ask that the Holy Spirit would take the seeds of the words planted in our hearts today and germinate those seeds cultivate those seeds and transform us into what you need us and want us and desire for us to be. To your glory, Father. Use this offering. Use it to bless. Use it for your purposes. Bless the giver and bless the receiver. Thank you, Lord. Amen.